Welcome to the Possibility Podcast, hosted by the founders of Possibility, a nonprofit that provides positive opportunities of support for families affected by disability. A podcast for parents just like you, navigating life in the disability community as advocates, parents, and community leaders. And now here are your hosts, Wayne and Tina Cordova. Welcome to the Possibility Podcast, hosted by the founders of Possibility, a nonprofit that provides positive opportunities of support for families affected by disability. A podcast for parents just like you, navigating life in the disability community as advocates, parents, and community leaders. My name is Wayne Cordova. I'm co-founder and CEO of Possibility, and I'm here with Possibility co-founder and executive director, Tina Cordova. For today's episode, we wanted to share with you our story, the origin story of Possibility, and also the Cordova family and why we do what we do. If you want to support the podcast and also receive any past or future resources related to the show, simply go to www.donorbox.org slash possibility podcast. And a donation of any dollar amount would be greatly appreciated. Since Possibility is a nonprofit, every dollar donated helps us accomplish our mission. Also, if you wouldn't mind, subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. It helps the podcast get noticed so we can do all that we can to provide positive opportunities of support to families affected by disability. For now, sit back and relax as we dive into our origin story. So we wanted to do an episode where we generally just talk about our our origin story. I kind of like to call it the why behind the what. And so the what is possibility. You know, on its surface, you see that, you know, here we are, we run this nonprofit for families affected by disability, and we have a lot of great programs. You know, we have uh, programs where parents can catch a break, a three-hour break, you know, from the 24-7 plus job of being a caregiver, right? And so we have our after-school programs, our Friday night programs. And, you know, a lot of times we get the question of like, I don't know how you guys do it or, um, you know, why do you guys do it? And so we kind of wanted to start with that and begin this conversation with, uh, here's the origin story of, of who, you know, we are as a family and who we are as possibility. And so we're going to kind of take the time machine back and I think the best place to, because we could be here for hours <laughs> if we tell the entire story, because you know we've been married 21 years, 22 years in May of next year. And so I think if we uh, take the time machine back and we go all the way to, you know, let's say um, around the time that we found out that we were going to have a baby, right? And so we go back to 2010 uh, and that kind of timeline, and then bring that all the way back to 2023. Uh, so yeah, let's cover 13 years and uh, <laughs> in 45 minutes. No short jaunt, but it'll be fine. Uh, so let's go back and and do that. So tell me, you tell me, how did it feel when we found out we were going to have a child? Wow. Okay. Um, so thinking way back to 2010, um, I know when we found out we were pregnant, we were ecstatic. Um, but however, the circumstances around that situation were a little bit cumbersome. So um, my grandmother at the time was suffering from a form of ALS, and we were kind of in the end stages of her life, and literally, was it five days um, before we found out we were pregnant that she passed away, and so we endured the funeral and all of that, and I was also approaching my 
birthday, uh, 30th birthday, actually, not to put an age on me, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) and so there were just a lot of things entail. We weren't really sure. We were also, um, struggling to get pregnant and we were going through infertility treatments and, um, IUI and all of that. So it was, it, I mean, it was a lot, it was a heavy, heavy circumstances revolving around that situation. So again, four years of us trying to have a baby and going through infertility and, and then dealing with the death of my grandmother, who I was very close with. Um, and you know, she just had a very profound impact on my life. And, you know, of course, then my 30th birthday approaching and everything else, it was, it was pretty incredible during that time. But I remember the moment that I, to be very frank, was late and uh, took a pregnancy test. And I remember running across the house saying, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And you were kind of like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, because we were in the fog. It was kind of like there was, there was this like whole, you know, um, thing in the air of, you know, losing grandma Robinson. Yeah. And, you know, I loved her very much too. And that was just, that was a tough, it, tough thing to go through. And then, you know, this whole journey for us was tough. You know, we'd had a, we'd had a miscarriage, you know, mm-hmm. we had suffered through that. And, um, and you know, the, the, the trying and the bad news and the good news. And so I remember it was a Sunday morning. It was right before. And I, at the time I was working on staff at a church, um, and you know, you were in education, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, career wise, you know, we were in this thing and literally the Sunday morning, I'm about to head off to church, you know, cause I had to go there early cause I was on staff. And I hear the new, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. I'm like, what? <laughs> and that whole thing. And the funny thing is, I, I do remember this because it was your 30th birthday. You probably remember this too. We were supposed to go for your 30th birthday to like Discovery Cove, I think. Mm-hmm. And like your whole thing was, I want to swim with the dolphins. And so we were like, oh, this is, you know, this is great. So we're going to do this. And I was looking forward to this because it was a, a rough time, right? I'm like, okay, this is going to be a great pick me up. This is awesome. And I think this is kind of what started the the annual tradition of things not going right for Tina's birthday. Yes. And so <laughs> it was one of those things where, although this was right, it was, it was right, kind of, yeah. because I remember going, that's exciting. Oh man, you can't swim with the dolphins now. You're pregnant. You got to wait. It says you can't like, you know, the, and I think the rules were specifically like if you're pregnant, you shouldn't go and do <laughs> and I was, I was like, this is awesome. I got to go. By the way, we can't go to dolphin swimming. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then it was, deal with that. And, and again, it was another like circumstantial situation in which I was like, it's exciting, but then, you know, plans had changed and question marks. That's lots the of question marks. Yeah. Overall, um, how'd you feel about the pregnancy? You know, kind of the, how I'm trying to think back to like, how, how do you, how did you feel? How was that whole thing? So, uh, interestingly enough, everybody said when you're pregnant, like you have these weird cravings, you have, you know, all these different like morning sickness and all of that. I literally had none of that. Right. So everything was beautiful (laughs) to be honest. Um, I think one point, maybe two points during the pregnancy, I think I had caught a really bad cold. Um, and then another point, I think I got like a little bit of a stomach bug or food poisoning or something, something didn't settle right. But, um, other than that, those two like hiccups in the road, I literally had no symptoms really, like, except for my belly and my body was growing (laughs) exponentially. I took advantage of eating for two. Oh yeah. Um, I I do remember that Cuban food was off the table the entire pregnancy. Okay. So I did have some aversions to food, like 
beef, I could not stand the smell of it cooking. Um, Cuban food, it would make me just feel nauseous. Which is what I love. I know, which I'm like, (laughs) I loved Cuban food too, but then also it's a staple in your uh, food choices. And I was like, nope, not in this house right now. (laughs) Uh, We kind of discovered that, I think, when we were visiting Miami. Oh, yeah. And your mom, I think, was cooking food in the kitchen. And again, that was during the time, I think, where I had caught that pretty bad cold because I remember her helping me with like some Vicks vaporizing thing because I couldn't take any medication or anything either. Vicks is the Cuban remedy for everything. So, yeah. So it was just it was just kind of a a weird time. But the pregnancy itself, I felt good. I was healthy. Um, I tried to stay as active as I could. Uh, But again, taking advantage of, you know, Eating for two, I totally gained some weight that I shouldn't have. Yeah, and I was eating for three. Um, I was loving it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like let's. So yeah, we were sharing sharing that. Um, but other than that, I think I may have craved Taco Bell one time, and then other than that, that was it. And <laughs> and that's kind of funny because like we don't eat Taco Bell. Yeah, it's not on our list. It's, no, it's not on our go tos or anything like that. And then, so pretty much, you know, it was a pretty standard. And then, you know, we started having more frequent um, appointments, you know, all the ultrasounds Mm -hmm. and all that. And we were going to a regular ultrasound appointment. uh, And then we were told. So it was about 20 weeks. Right. um, Maybe 18, 19 weeks. Um, And so we were going in for the standard ultrasound. And it was actually an opportunity for us to find out what the gender of the baby was going to be. I remember like being so excited about what is it? What is it? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? That kind of thing. And um, yeah, so we were very excited. I think um, it was you and I in the room and, you know, we were just kind of like anticipating there was a lot of quiet, you know, how you just lay there and they're putting awkward. This, yeah, wand and this ooey gooey stuff all over your stomach and just trying to find, you know, different pictures and, you know, ways to see the baby. And as far as we knew, everything was normal up until that point. Um, the heartbeat was strong. Um, you know, the different ultrasounds that came up, nothing kind of, you know, triggered any um interest or, you know, concern or anything like that. So at 20 weeks, we were just, we just thought it was a gender reveal, basically yeah. old fashioned gender reveal. No, <laughs> right, no fireworks, uh, or, no fireworks uh, <laughs> or poppers or uh, balloons or anything like that. Um, and so we anticipated that. And during that, we did find out that she was a girl. Um, so it was, you know, we were excited. Yeah. We were like, yes, we can start picking out names and start th- decorating the nursery. You know, like all of that excitement just kind of flooded us. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, I totally remember that. I was so I was so excited that we were having a girl. Um, and that was one of those moments for for me where you, you say like, oh, I don't you know, as long as the baby's healthy, you know, and all that. And that was literally the thing for me. It was like, oh, no problem. Like, you know, just, you know, boy, girl, you know, no matter. And then as soon as I heard it was a girl, for some reason, I just felt like this peace and this excitement come over me of, yes, you know, girl, dad, I was meant to be this. This is awesome. And uh, just, yeah, super. And I couldn't wait to paint the room. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, you know, paint up her nursery and, and, and get that ready. Yeah. We, I mean, again, just very excited and elated. I always wanted a little girl. It didn't matter. Again, wanted it to be healthy. Um, but I've always wanted a little girl. I think a little bit more so in my heart and <laughs> mind, um, you know, cause it's always so cute to dress up a girl and do hair and, you know, just all the fun things about being a girl. Oh yeah. But, um, anyway, so, so we kind of walked out of that appointment thinking everything was okay. was great. 
Um, and then literally, I think it was a week later, we got a call from our regular doctor um, asking us to come in and kind of discuss the results of the ultrasound. And yeah. so we were a little confused and uncertain of what, you know, what was happening or why, because we thought everything was good. And, you know, we, we are having a girl, you know, we were excited about that and kind of hanging and resting on that information. So I remember going to the doctor's office and they kind of pulled up the ultrasound imaging and they had mentioned that her profile was off. And I was like, what? Like, what does that mean? You know, profile. And they're saying like, they can't really get a good picture of her nose and her nose, you know, you know, and again, her profile just looked different. Looked off. Yeah, off. And so they wanted to send us to a specialized OBGYN um, who kind of works, um, I guess, with higher risk cases and things like that. And then, you know, hearing that was like higher risk, like what's going on? Right. And they're like, well, we're not certain what's going on right now. We just want to do some further testing and figure out. They wanted a better look. A better look. Yeah. So they had higher imaging. Um, I guess it was than like the 4D ultrasound. And so they wanted to see a little bit more or see even if another ultrasound could get a better picture of what her profile is. Like maybe she was turned or, you know, whatever. And so we get there and it wasn't a regular, um, it was, it wasn't a regular ultrasound. You had to actually do an, they call it an in utero MRI, right? Well, that was a little bit later, but I mean, they did do the ultrasound and, come find out like her profile was off, but there were other things that were off. They were concerned about like her positioning and like all that kind of stuff. So they weren't really sure what, so they sent us for a slew of tests. Um, We refused to do the amniocentesis testing um, because we didn't care either way what would come up from that. Um, So we, we had made the decision like no matter what happens, you know, it's our, it's our child. We're yeah. going to, you know, have her, we are going to take care of her and love her for who she was. Um, but again, with that, we wanted some answers. And of course the doctors wanted answers. So they knew kind of what to anticipate upon birth. Right. Um, and so that's where we kind of were sent to an MRI. Yes. Uh, we had blood tests. We had, um, an echocardiogram. We had, um, Several other ultrasounds and right. X-rays, and I mean, tests upon tests oh upon tests. Oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> but the 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 MRI uh, is when we discovered something really interesting about you, <laughs> right? Which is, <laughs> yes, I am very claustrophobic, and I had no idea until that moment. Nope, <laughs> until we we're in the until actually I was so, out waiting for you. Yes, so they brought me into the MRI machine and. Literally, the only way that they could do the MRI of the baby was to put me in this child sized (laughs) MRI machine. And literally, I don't know if you've ever been in an MRI, they strap you down tight so that you don't move. Well, okay, remember, I was eating for two, I had a little bit of extra weight. So, on top of that, I had really bad sciatica. Um, So, my hips and my back were a little bit in pain and it was always good to be up and move or stretch when I needed to. Well, I'm laying flat on this bed. I'm strapped down tight, can't move. My back is killing me. And literally everybody walks out of the room. 
Yeah, they left you alone. Like yes. you were completely by yourself. Everybody in this MRI. walks out of the room. I have nobody to talk to. I hear this loud clicking machine, and then they pull me out, and nobody's there. And I'm literally laying there, and my back <laughs> is aching so bad. And so I am wiggling myself out of these straps and trying to get gain attention. And I remember honestly getting one arm free and taking the pillow from behind my my head and waving it like a giant white flag to gather somebody's attention. And finally, <laughs> somebody runs in to, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, well, I can't move and I've got to get up. Like my back is killing me. Right. And what's happening? Like you guys are leaving me alone in here. And I just start, I start panicking, honestly. And so, um, they're like, well, we think we need to do some, some more scans. And I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> no, like I'm not going back in that machine. And I'm like, and nobody's leaving my side. And they're like, well, we have to, so that we can see better images of the baby. We want to see different angles, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, I need a break. So I get up off the table and I'm literally shaking. And I remember like refusing to go back in and telling you, I'm like, you can't leave my side. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody's in that room. They're leaving me, you know, by myself. I need somebody there, it's, you know, that will be paying attention to me and not the imaging. And, um, and so they literally made you change out of your clothes. And I know I had to put on the whole suit, yeah. the whole MRI suit. Get like I was getting it done. And, yeah. Um, I remember taking anything and everything off that was metal or whatever. And then I literally like, it took some coaxing, but you got me back into the machine and we were able to finish the imaging. But I, from that moment on, I cannot go into an, another MRI machine, yeah. whether it's adult size or child size or standing or whatever. I just, I cannot, I absolutely freak out. So, you know, when we talk about sacrifices you made for your child, that was the first one that was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> talk about traumatic experience. girl. I discovered that was claustrophobic because of you. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had no idea. And I had, you know, been on several rides or whatever, but and yeah, then in reality, was, even after all that, all we got were more question marks. It was still yes. like, hey, we're not sure. We don't know what's going on. And all I kind of remember was in talking to that doctor was them saying, all we know is that, and, she, and these are her words, she is going to have some kind of special need. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying it you know, that way. And, and at that moment, I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what? Why would you, why, why, I was thinking, why would you call us in here when you had no answers and right. just drop that on us and then say, okay, well, off you go. We'll see you when you have the baby. Right. Well, then they started <laughs> getting all of these specialists. So we had right. a cardiologist, we had a neurologist, we had a neurosurgeon, we had a geneticist, we had, um, of course, the doctor who was de delivering. I mean, we started, they started calling in a slew of doctors. We so, had a nephrologist, right? We had a yes, kidney doctor. Yes, nephrologist. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, so we had all these diff different specialists that we were starting to get established with even before she was born. Yeah. And so we, you know, went to all of these different doctor's offices and again, all this testing and stuff. And they had discovered um, Emily was underdeveloping in the womb. So she, what they call is intrauterine growth retardation because she was small. Right. So she wasn't gaining the weight that she needed. They also said that her heart is not fully forming. Her kidneys were not fully forming. Um, 
and so on and so forth. And we're nearing the end of our pregnancy and we're learning all of these little innuendos or things that were occurring or not occurring in her body. And again, more and more question marks. So it became um, obvious that the doctor wanted to induce us. So she's like, it's better to have everything planned and scheduled so we can have everybody on hand because we don't know what's going to happen the moment she's born. You know, so if we can have all these specialists kind of called in and on the side and ready to act as needed, um, it's better that way rather than you going and, you know, into labor naturally and just waiting it out. So that became, you know, for the last few weeks, you know, of our pregnancy, we just kind of tried to process all of that. I know it was very heavy. And I remember our family and friends even not really understanding the situation. Do you kind of remember like... Yeah. I mean, what conversations were like? I just remember, um, you know, and, and it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, given our background, you know, so uh, I was I was on staff at a church, you know, and uh, and so a lot of those conversations are, um, you know, well, we'll, you know, we'll pray, we'll pray for you, <laughs> you know, and it'll and it'll be fine. And it's all God's plan. And it's all this, you know, and yeah, and again, it's, you know, not that I didn't believe that. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you got to understand. It's like, it's almost like the the sudden stop of a roller coaster where here you are and, you know, you're having this roller coaster ride of this pregnancy where everything has been great and you're having Mm -hmm. the baby showers, you're having all of the, uh, you know, the events and you're doing all the shopping and the, you know, the registering and like the painting and all this kind of (laughs) stuff. And then all of a sudden... The, the roller coaster stops because the, the doctor says, you know, we don't know what's going to happen on the day of her birth. And because they have no answers, no questions, it was it was very jarring mm-hmm. as a as a dad, as a future dad. I was like, I have no idea what to expect. I have no idea what's coming up. And yeah, like everybody around you kind of, you know, they don't know what to say. They want to, they want you to hope for the best because maybe it makes them feel a little bit better and they want to, you know, put you in a good mood. And so they say things like, you know, um, you know, like have hope, it'll be okay. It's, you know, it'll be fine. And um, not a lot of, you know, I don't want to say sympathy because it's not, it wasn't like we were like, I'm sorry, sir. (laughs) Right. And it was just a lot of like kind of hope sharing, which you think is like, okay, well, like, you know, that's what, you know, naturally you want to give, but I, I do remember not many people were kind of just sitting with us mm-hmm. and saying, um, you know, I'll say it, it's our podcast. This sucks. And right. I'm sorry, you know, and, and just like not having to have answers. And, and that was the thing. And so we, we were in this place where we had a lot of people around us, but kind of felt alone. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was really hard to kind of relate to people because, I mean, at the time, it seemed like everybody was getting pregnant. Everybody was having babies. It seemed <laughs> easy for them. You know, remember our hurdle, we were waiting for four years to get pregnant. Yeah. And so, you know, people that we knew were having, you know, again, with ease, babies after babies, sometimes multiple babies within those four years. Yeah. And, you know, it just seemed to be, you know, very to, for everything to come easy to everybody else. And then right. here we are, we finally get pregnant. We're celebrating this great moment. And then we keep getting questions and questions and questions and, yeah. you know, concerns, concerns, concerns thrown on us. And then, so it was just very unrelatable to people around us. Yeah. And so again, we did feel very isolated and alone in that. I remember thinking, you know, our story is not like everybody else's story anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like at the, 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 the ending of the pregnancy 
you know, the, the last trimester really, right. Um, was unlike anybody else's and we stopped being able to relate to other people and mm-hmm. other people stopped being able to relate to us because, you know, and, and we can fast forward a little bit to the birth, right? We had to go to a, we had to go to a specialist. We had to go to a special hospital. Uh, we had to travel an hour and a half away from our home mm-hmm. to go and do this. So we'll get into the birth part a little bit, but like, you know, we had to travel far away from our home. So it wasn't even like we were in our town. So people could, didn't even come to visit us or couldn't come to visit us. And so right. we, you know, we had a very small, 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 small number of people that could and did, you know, come to see us during that time. But it was, it wasn't like, you know, oh, great, let's see the baby. Let's come and see the baby. Right. You know, and all this is that, you know, um, the, the folks that did come, you know, were like, how's everything going? You know, <laughs> is, how's everything? Is everything okay? Uh, and, and it wasn't, it just wasn't the same as everybody else's experience. I remember thinking that, you know, where, um, you know, we had, and, and that whole process, you know, is, is a story, but it's like, you know, we had, um, our closest people, which were like our parents, you know, mm-hmm. like right there, you know, in handy. And then, um, and then a couple of, you know, um, friends, you know, that were able to kind of trickle in, but it was very isolated. It was very alone. Even that whole process felt very much like it's just us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, it was like us versus the world. And right. I think even at the time, like my dad wasn't able to be there. So it was right. like my mom and then your parents were there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was. And then, of course, we had, I think during the whole time that we were there, there was one couple from our church and then another um, person that came to visit yeah. as well. And that was really that was it. it. That was it. Yeah. And um, so, and, you know, because it was an hour and a half away, we understood, but it was not as celebratory and as exciting, I guess, um, as you would have anticipated. Right. And it was, and that whole story, like leading up to it is like, okay, so it's scheduled. So now we have like a firm date, you know, for this thing. And I remember, you know, that whole process also being different, you know, so it's kind of like, uh, it's like you're, you're already anticipating it, you know, versus if you just go into labor naturally. So you already anticipate, you know, what's going to happen. They're going to give you a a pill to take. It's going to start inducing contractions, so on and so forth. But the interesting thing is, is we actually found out um, when we went into the hospital that I was already naturally forming. Uh, or going into labor, I should say. Um, I didn't know. Uh, I figured something was a little weird because, you know, we went to dinner and just kind of relaxed that night. I remember trying to like live up the light, you know, (laughs) live up our last night. Um, And of course, eating for two. So uh, (laughs) I enjoyed and indulged a little bit at Cheesecake Factory. But I do remember like as we're sitting there, like something was just a little bit off in my stomach, you know, just kind of felt weird. um, But I didn't know what it was. You know, I had no idea. It wasn't like full on contractions or anything like that. It was just kind of some weird feelings. Um, But then going into the hospital as they got me settled and changed and, you know, and everything like that and into the bed. Then they started putting like the fetal monitor on me and um, all that. And then they realized as they were watching the monitors that here I am having minor contractions. And they're like, you're kind of already starting the labor process. Yeah, and you're I was already like, in it. Whoa, okay, here we go. But I wasn't dilated yet. So right. <laughs> I wasn't anywhere near <laughs> ready. But um, but they said, you know, interesting enough, your body is already starting the process. So I was like, that's really yeah. interesting. So let's um, 
uh, skip the gory details, right? Yeah. And then, like, and then you know, now let's get to the arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you, how did you feel? You know, or did you feel anything? Were you? <laughs> oh my gosh, it was a a whirlwind, honestly, because you don't you think of a birth of your child as this beautiful moment. And your child is born and then they're laid on, you know, laid on you and you get to snuggle and look at their face and just, you know, love on them. Nope, that did not happen for me. (laughs) No, it didn't. It was literally like, boom, she's out. Look at her for 10 seconds. We got to take her away. We we got to take a... And actually, like, sorry, when she was first born, like it took a while for me to even see her because she wasn't breathing initially. Right. And so they needed to, they, you know, they were, when she came out, you know, uh, I remember you going, I don't hear her crying yet, you know? Yeah. And it, it felt like an eternity, but then you heard her, you know, mm-hmm. and then there she was. And we, we got to take a five second photo. Yeah. Where they, that, yeah. They, they put her on, uh, on your chest, lean in, you know, you know, we took the picture what I do remember is, you know, when she came out, that whole profile thing that we were talking about, yeah, we, all that. We learned very quickly why her profile yeah. was off. Our daughter looked like she had gone through 10 rounds with Mike Tyson, <laughs> you know, when she came out because her cute little nose was actually like bent all the way across her cheek. You know, it's like from from one end to the other and it was just kind of turned over. And so if you could just imagine a cute little baby nose, but it was just pointing in another direction. Yeah. Not completely forward. to the right side of her yeah. face. So, and would that be accurate? Like she looked like a prize fighter. Like she yes, literally looked yeah. like she was like, I mean, she wasn't know. bruised and banged up, no. but um, yeah, her nose was definitely not right. It was shocking. That was <laughs> like, okay. And like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yes. all right, okay. That's just, all right. I'm like, you can't really say like your baby was cute when she came out. Cause uh. it was like, Oh, it was, it was, it was concerning, (laughs) you know, I mean, she's beautiful. She's great. And, and and even if, even if that nose would have been there at age 13 now, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's cool. But it was shocking because it was like, whoa, what happened to you, kiddo? Um, you know, right as soon as she came out, we got to take that 30, like literally 30 seconds, 10 second picture. And then I, all I remember is the nurse saying, okay, dad, you're coming with me. And I'm like, where are we going? And and so I had to say goodbye to you and I followed the nurses and everybody, you know, straight to the NICU. And I just remember, you know, thinking to myself like, okay, but like I have a wife that I have to, you know, <laughs> take care of also. She literally just gave birth. Like I didn't get to, you know, we didn't get a moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And so here I am, I'm running off to NICU and it looked like a scene from like ER, you know what I mean? Where everybody's running down the hallway and we were running down the hallway and you know, doing all the turns, doing everything we got to do, getting in the elevator. And all I remember is, you know, we get to this NICU and immediately they put all these leads on her and, you know, have all these heart monitors and all these other things. And she went from being born to being wired, like completely wired. And I just remember looking at her and the whole time she's screaming, right? And she's just like, and the only thing I could think to do is say, Hamley, it's okay. Dad's here. And she stopped. Mm-hmm. And all I can say is that I just attribute that to, you know, uh, talking to her nightly, reading her stories, uh, telling really terrible bat- dad jokes, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I could just, I just, I could only attribute to that, to the mm-hmm. fact that she knew her father's voice. And 
you know, she stopped. She stopped crying and she was able to, they were able to, you know, do all stuff. But, you know, the, the wires and stuff didn't go away. She had to stay in the NICU. She had to be there. Mm-hmm. And she was there for how many hours before you got to even see her? I didn't get to see her till that evening. Yeah. So they had trouble getting me to move because for whatever reason, you have to leave the birthing room immediately after you give birth and move into a regular room or whatever. Especially at this place. Yeah. They were just so like, they were okay, like, you got to get, out. get out. And I was like, I can't move. You know, like I, I was having really, I don't know what it was, but it was, I was too weak and too, um, just unable to move from the room. So they gave me additional time, but it kind of got to the point where they were like, you have to move. Like we've got to get you out of here. You were getting evicted. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was a little bit weird, but um, eventually they got me into a wheelchair, wheeled me into a regular room. And then I was able to um, rest a little bit, I guess somewhat. I was very concerned about the baby. Um, And I remember you kind of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of going back and forth a lot that day. Um, because I think I would ask you like, how is she? Is she okay? What are they doing? And you're like, she's okay. She, they're just doing a lot of tests. I remember that. Like they're doing a lot of tests. Different doctors are coming to see her. So I have to go so that I can talk to those doctors. And I was like, okay. So you were in and out a lot. I barely saw you. I didn't see Emily until I want to say it was probably seven. Let's see. She was born at like 11, 13 a.m. And then I didn't see her till probably seven, eight o'clock that night. That's right. Um, and so, and I remember having to be wheeled down because again, I was still very weak um, and just unable to walk on my own. And um, it was like, for me, it was, um, it was almost like being in, remember that movie like Father of the Bride 2 where like the Steve Martin's like running between rooms, yeah. you know, and he's like going back and forth. And, and I, I kind of felt like that a little bit because, you know, here I was in the NICU watching over Emily and her name's Emily, by the way. And then um, you know, like and having this discussion, you know, with doctors and all that and then getting texts from you, you know, and then running down, you know, and taking the elevator down to where you were to make sure that you got moved out from that room to the next room. And even then they wanted to kick you out. Like it was like they didn't want you there for long, you know, right. and it, it was just like this back and forth. Um, my daughter's first visitor was actually my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad got to see her before you, you did, yes. you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, and he was, you know, and, and, you know, he's, uh, he's abuelo, he's, you know, and he was worried and he was concerned and, and honestly, it was hard to describe. Like, so it was kind of one of those things where you're trying to tell people that she's here and she's been born and you're trying to get like the stats and like all this kind of stuff. But it's one of those things where it it was more than met the eye. It was like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, hey, here's this baby and here's how much she weighs and here's how long she was. It was like, okay, and like we're in the NICU and it's like, well, why? Well, it's like, how much time do you have? Because now we have this list of question marks that we didn't know we had up until a little while ago. And, you know, she kept having to have all these different, you know, checks and all this. And I just remember kind of feeling like there's no way I can be everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in some cases it was just like, well, you just have to see it to believe it. And so, you know, when it came to the parents and the grandparents and stuff, it was just like, you just gotta just, just come and see her. And she's like, she's okay. She's, she's here right now. And, and to go from there, I mean, she was full term, but she was preemie size, right? Yes. Yeah. So she was born four pounds, 14 ounces. And so that was really, really small, especially being 38 weeks, almost full term. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then 
I remember that night seeing her, but, um, you know, it's kind of scary because she's like in this incubator. They kept warning us like she can't be out very long. Um, you can reach in and touch her, you know, but we can't, you know, really have you hold her. I remember that first night or whatever. And I was like, I can't really hold my baby, you know, because they wanted to keep her in the incubator, keep her warm, you know, basically keeping her, um, temperature up and all of that. And so there was just all these concerns and, you know, worries and everything. Um, you know, I had dreamt of nursing her and, you know, all that, that was our plan and, and everything. And, you know, I didn't get to do anything really, or even hold her, I think until the next morning. Right. Um, I remember going in and checking on her, seeing her, you know, just noticing, you know, (laughs) counting all her fingers and toes and noticing the nose again. And, you know, really just kind of getting a rundown of her, you know, from head to toe. And and then that was really all we had time for because, you know, the visiting hours for the NICU were, you know, coming to a close and they wanted me to get back to my room so I could rest and, you know, yeah. all of that. And so it was just very, a very odd uh, kind of experience <laughs> and definitely not what we expected. And, you know, I think the hospital was generous enough to, you know, take care of us and ensure, you know, our needs but it was still very isolating again, because here I am in the room by myself or, you know, my mom was there or, you know, people would, people being abuelo and abuela would pop in and check in, you know, and then you would be back and forth, back and forth all day long, all night long, you Mm know? Um, so it was, you know, it's just very interesting, you know, experience in that. It was not like anybody else's experience. (laughs) That was the, and and again, is like, you know, we kind of went back, to that, you know, whole thing. And it's just, I, I remember, um, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I, there's a, there's a handful of things that I remember because it was like, I remember, um, when, um, when she was born, the song, um, great is thy faithfulness was playing. And so this kind of reminded me that, okay, well, um, okay, God, you're in control and, um, you are faithful. You do love this child and you do love us. And so, you know, we're, let's, Let's get on this adventure. And then I remember that night when you finally got to see her and, um, you know, we're here, you know, we are like the family's finally united, you know, and Mm -hmm. we're able to, the first book that we read to her was The Giving Tree. Mm -hmm. And I remember that whole thing too, just kind of knowing, all right, we're being, we're grateful, you know, we're grateful that at least we're here and we're all together. And even though there's a bunch of question marks, you know, uh, we don't know what's ahead. We do know that, hey, day one, we're all together, you know, and we made it. And so to go from that, you know, she was there in the NICU um, for um, how many days? Seven, seven days. Seven days. Yeah. Um, and, and it kind of, it, it morphed, it changed, you know, she kind of went from being in that room full of incubators, you know, mm-hmm. to being, you know, in like the curtained off NICU room, you know, where we got to spend more time with her and, and, yeah. and be there. Well, also once I was discharged, we had a lot more freedom too. Yeah. So, and, and from that second day on again, it was me going back and forth between my room to her. Um, Wayne was pretty much stationary with her. And then again, as she moved on to the other part of the NICU where she wasn't, um, you know, on all, she was still on monitors, but it wasn't as, I guess, intensive. Yeah. Um, and so they realized that she was stable enough to move to a, a room um, kind of on her own. I don't know. There's like yeah. these little alcoves. It was like, like cubicles cubicle. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And thank God for grandparents because it was one of those things where, 
the only reason why I felt comfortable being, you know, in one place, mainly like wherever Emily, that was me, uh, mainly wherever Emily was, mm-hmm. uh, was because you had your mom with you. You know, yeah. your mom had come for the birth and she got more than she bargained for, right? Because it was like, you know, uh, this whole unplanned adventure. But but at least she was able to be there with you so that, you know, she can help you with all this stuff and all the packing. And then, you know, um, and my mom and, you know, my dad were there too. And uh, I just kind of seem to remember like all the grandparents kept us fed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kept us hydrated, kept us, you know, kind of so that we could focus on Emily. And but again, it was like, thank God for that and that. And that was it. It's like, like you said, outside of, you know, we had, um, you know, one couple come and visit uh, and, and another person come and visit. That was it, you know, because we we're so, so far away. So even throughout this whole NICU experience, it was all texts and like, and I remember like Facebook posts because I remember at the time, I think I was the only one on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. And so here I was like, just kind of going, okay, day two, day three, day four, you know, yeah. and then finally kind of posting we were gone. But at the same time, it was like, this is unlike anything that anybody had experienced. And so I just remember being able to go home and feeling so happy (laughs) that we could leave and, and, and go, you know, and it was, and they were just concerned because they were like, by the time we left, we still didn't have all the answers. No. Yeah. So they basically had all of these little physical diagnosis. It wasn't really like a syndrome or genetic disorder or anything like that. Um, because nothing really came up at the time, or actually the genetics testing we were still waiting on. But um, basically they told us like, she's going to have to have a slew of specialists that she's going to have to follow. We don't know her prognosis. Like we don't know what's going to happen, but here's your baby. Congratulations. And off you go, you know? So that that's kind of what it was. And we were just kind of, I remember looking at each other and like, we were Relieved in a way to go home so that right. we can get into our new life and new routine. But we were also freaking out inside like, oh, my gosh, what is all of this going to entail? Yes. And that was the thing where I I distinctly remember feeling so happy to be able to leave and so unsure of what we're supposed to be doing next, you know, because it was one of those things where um, she's a baby. She needs normal baby things. She needs just typical baby, you know, mm-hmm. care, right? And so here's this, and then you have all these other question marks, and it's like, well, when do we when do we uh, care about the question marks, and when do we care about just the baby stuff? Right. And, and so that was the the deal. And so we, you know, when we brought her home, um, that's when the mix between you know baby stuff. And question mark started happening. And, and believe me, I'm saying the word question mark because this is before any diagnosis. We had nothing, you know, to go by except for the fact that my, my you know, poor daughter looked like she went, you know, uh, you know, 10 rounds with, you know, Mike Tyson. And um, but other than that, she was just a little tiny baby. And we had to kind of just go into that mode. Um, and here she was, you know, she's she's home. And it wasn't until um, a few months later that we got our first diagnosis and it was the first time that, you know, she, you know, had a seizure. Um, and, yeah. and that was, uh, in February, you yeah, know, early and, February. So she was already two, you know, she, it was, it was two months into this before anything really started happening. And we, and, and, and in doing that, like we're skipping, you know, Christmas because like she slept through Christmas. She was <laughs> a very sleepy child, you know, she yeah. was very, you know, 
she's catching up on her rest. Um, and you know, all of those first, the happy new years and you know, all that, the late nights, you know, staying up, you know, with her and, um, yeah, well leaving the hospital, we were on this regimen of every two hours. They required us and they made sure before we left that they knew how imperative it was to wake her up and make sure that she fed every or ate every two hours. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't feed her every two hours or nurse her every two hours, she's not going to thrive. You know, like that was what was ingrained in my head. And you're a rule follower by nature. I am very much a rule (laughs) follower. And if you tell me I need to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to the T 100% all the way through to the very end. And, um, so I've, I freaked out and I put us on a schedule and it was every two hours we were up and we were, you know, trying to get her to feed one way or the other, whether, um, nursing or whether it was bottle or whatever. Um, and so, and yeah, I was stressed out. I wasn't able to sleep. Of course, we're going home being freaked out. Um, all this worry and concern and that first label was, was put on her, um, failure to thrive. You remember that? Well, Yes, I do. But no, it was the intrauterine growth retardation. So that was the first label. And it was kind of like, I don't know what that means, really. Yeah. They just said she's small. So I was like, okay, well, and then as later on, as she progressed, we got that diagnosis. But But it it felt like it felt like we were so responsible for this child's life growth and life. And it was one of those things where, you know, every two hours up and and doing this and we kind of you know we 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 took the shifts <laughs> right mm-hmm. and you know we had the alarms set and we were you know it's yeah i had late into the night you had early into the morning yep. and then i you know i literally have <laughs> these vivid memories of sitting on the couch you know and feeding this kid and she became a fan of david letterman and craig ferguson and like all these late night shows because that's what we would have on you know just while she was you know feeding comedy comedy, you know she and and just kind of but it was one of those things where um and then keeping that regimen not just overnight throughout the day and Mm -hmm. it was kind of one of those things where thank goodness we were into the holiday season because we didn't have to really i mean we had work but we you know but we didn't you know and, and and thank goodness we had the time off you know to be able to you know, do that and dedicate. But again, it's like when we're trying to tell people about our story and we're trying to tell people about our schedule and our regimen, nobody was able to relate to that. You know, it was like, you know, we had people right away going, Oh yeah, yeah my child slept all night or, Oh no. Yeah. We, you know, but it was like, yeah, no, we were never would, on that schedule. They would tell you like, don't wake a sleeping baby, you know? <laughs> like, and I no, was like, we have, uh, we have to, or at least we're told we have to, you know? Right. So yeah. And then, Anyway, it just got, it got very exhausting and very taxing. Um, and I remember developing a relationship with a lactation nurse in the hospital as well as yeah. in our home. And she was, I think, our saving grace. Beth. Um, yeah, Miss Beth. I remember her. And she just, you know, look at your baby. She's breathing. She's living. She's doing okay. Like, just hold on to that. Yeah. And I remember that just kind of taking a weight off and just, you know, a little bit of relaxation in that and knowing, okay, she is alive. Um, we're doing the best that we can and you know, little mistakes and stuff like that along the way are not going to like detriment her. She was one of the first, um, you know, kind of like first members of team Emily, you know, cause she mm-hmm. was like, I remember the pressure you felt from 
some of the other nurses and stuff and, and not for nothing, but it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, without trying, you know, the professionals can really make the parents feel terrible, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, they, the way that they talk to you and all that really can just, you know, cut down on your confidence, you know, and that you've been trying to build up all these months. And I remember that, you know, specifically Beth was one of the first people to like fight for us and with us, you know, to kind of say, Hey, listen, and I, and I do remember those, those pep talks and those things where she was like, look at this kid, look at her mm-hmm. and um, helping us see the beauty in yeah. all the question marks. And that was a godsend for us too, because that was just like, we needed that so bad. And I think she was one of the first people to really help us, you know, um, look past the, the big cues, the big question marks, you know? Yes. And seeing the life and the value of the life that's yeah. in front of us for sure. And so um, we, um, two months later, so yeah, two months in fe- later. In February, we have our first diagnosis. First diagnosis. We were feeding her and all of a sudden, I just noticed her body was completely spasming. Yep. Um, so I remember from that point calling, oops. <laughs> you hit the microphone. <laughs> calling you um, from your place of work and, hey, we have to take her to the doctor. Took her to the doctor um, and they said she needs to go to the hospital immediately, but not local hospital. You got to take her back an hour and a half away from your home. Um, we can either call an ambulance or you can take her. So we decided to take her, um, went straight down to all children's in St. Pete and got her admitted and they were able to then get a neurologist on our team. And she, they diagnosed her with, with seizures. And at that time it was infantile spasms, Mm -hmm. um, or seizures. And then they even started her on a new medication. And so that was that was the beginning of that journey where the first question mark was erased. It was nope, she's she's diagnosed with epilepsy. She has mm-hmm. seizures. And And I, at that point was when we were told failure to thrive. Right. So let's do this. Um we have spent the last um fifty <laughs> minutes talking about the first two months of her life and <laughs> and this pregnancy. And we really wanted to unpack the why behind the what. And so um let's turn this into a series. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, let's not rush it and all that, but let's continue this journey because I really think it's important. I really think that in this, I think even, and this is just me, I think even in this journey, talking about this pregnancy and this birth and um, even fast forwarding a month or two, you know, into that, um, I think that we've been saying nobody can relate, but I think that maybe there's some people that can now. Mm -hmm. And so... um, Here's this first part of our origin story. The big reason why we want to do what we're doing here at the Possibility Podcast is because we care about families. We have some topics that are coming up in the next you know, few months that we really do want to talk about um, as parents. We want to talk about the transition to adulthood. Um, we want to talk about vocations and jobs for your child with a disability. We want to talk about financial management, you know, and talk about able, able accounts. And, um, you know, we want to continue into that, you know, um, conversation about IEPs and education because the response that we've gotten back from that first episode that we did about IEPs was huge and it was great. So, you know, want to continue to, you know, talk about that. We want to, you know, talk about other nonprofits that are out there in the area, um, disability rights, hurricane prep, even, um, what to do in a disaster and, and all that. And so, um, we're going to continue this on, um, as a series within the series. And so we'll come back with more of this origin story. Um, and so we're going to kind of let this 
you know, here so that everybody can unpack that a little bit. And, you know, we'll come back and we'll, we're, we're going to kind of, um, you know, we'll bring the next part of this origin story uh, very soon. If you have any, you know, kind of response to that, feel free to reach out to us over here in the outro. You'll have all the info on how to reach out to us. You can do that on our website, possibility.life. Um, but yeah, this is like the origin story part one. It's kind of like the Avengers, you know, where you have multiple parts. And so then we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll continue this on. Um, how do you feel about that? I think it's a great idea. Okay. I had a feeling we were going to have to do this in parts anyway. So, or we can make this Thank a whole you. epic six hour podcast. No, and, uh, I don't <laughs> think anybody wants to listen that long. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this journey today, right here on the Possibility Podcast. We're Wayne and Tina Cordova, co-founders of Possibility, and we're truly grateful for your time and attention. Our mission to provide positive opportunities of support for families affected by disability is made possible by the incredible support of listeners like you. If you'd like to continue supporting our podcast and gain access to valuable resources, please consider making a donation at www.donorbox.org slash possibility podcast. Your contribution, no matter the amount, goes a long way in helping us achieve our mission. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and share our podcast with others. Your actions help us reach even more families and continue providing those positive opportunities we're so passionate about. As we conclude today's episode and our trip down memory lane with the origin story of Possibility, remember that there's more to Possibility than just our podcast. We're a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving families affected by disability through a wide range of impact programs and events. Programs like Kids Club, Parent Recharge, Creative Possibility, and our Moms and Dads Community Support Groups, just to name a few. Our commitment to accessible community events, advocacy, training, and more reflects our unwavering dedication to making such a difference. So as we sign off for today, keep in mind that your support, your listening, and your involvement make all the difference in the world. Together, we are possibility. And together, we're making a lasting impact in the lives of families touched by disability. For more information about our mission or how you can get involved, visit www.possibility.life. Thank you for being part of our Possibility community. Until next time, stay positive, stay supportive, and keep spreading those opportunities for good. Goodbye and take care. Goodbye.